Lately, it seems that we are getting more and more confused about what a church actually is. So let's take some time to set the record straight. Church is not a building, though a building can be used by a church. Church is not a denomination, though a set of beliefs should be important to a church. Church is not about Sunday, though a church should not forsake meeting together. Church is not about one person or personality, though every church should be pastored. And church is not about size or growth, though every church is called to make disciples. So don't think of church as an address or a location, but rather think of church as mobile and on the move. Don't think of church as something built or planted, but rather think of church as something deployed. Don't think of church as where you are for an hour each week, but rather what you are every day of the week, because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Feet shouldn't sit still. Hands shouldn't be idle. Feet go. Hands do. This is the church. Church isn't what you're sitting through right now, because you are the church. Now go and be the church. Good to be here this morning. Uh, my name's Tim Hampton. Uh, I'm one of the, I guess, elders in training and also on the teaching team. And uh, Alec and I are going to be sharing together. Alec's also on the teaching team and, and uh, part of the elders in training as well. Uh, we'll be sharing with you here a little bit this morning. Uh, Alec's going to open us in prayer. And we're going to be kind of tag-teaming back and forth. So, And prayer is just inviting God in. And so let's do that right now. Lord, we pray. I pray just as I switch gears from moving up, as we switch gears from being at home and just the uh, logistics of getting in here, we want to offer our hearts up to you, Father God. I pray that you'd clarify our minds, that you'd order our thoughts, that you'd have us turn to you, Father God. As we open up the word, Holy Spirit, stir in us, uh, renew us, make us new, help us hear new things, be willing to change for you. We love you, Lord. I thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Like this little video clip we've been showing, uh, talking about what is the church. And uh, the answer, of course, is we are the church. And we've been in a uh, sermon series. We had a sermon series earlier this summer, which was I Am. And it's the things that I am in Christ. And this sermon series is we are. So it's kind of going from me to we. And, uh, and starting to think about it's, it's not just, it's amazing that God enters our lives, but he also brings us together. And we're going to be talking about that uh, today and, and continuing on next week as well. Uh, it's important, I think, as we talk about that, to not talk about the church in third person. And I kind of got that from that video there. It's not them, and it's not some other thing out there, but it's, it's us. And I want us to, to just keep that in mind as, as we share here this morning. Uh, Mike's, Mike uh, Brubaker uh, started out our ser- series here uh, with, We Are the Bride of Christ. And uh, the Bible talks about us being his bride. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty important thing because God, Jesus, loves us, loves the church like a man loves his wife, only better. Because I don't love my wife perfectly, but he loves us perfectly. And so, so Mike talked about that. And then Paul followed up last week and talked about, We Are One. 
And because of Christ, because of what he's done, we're one in Christ. We are brought together because of the Holy Spirit. And we're united in him. So today, we're going to take that to the next step. At the same time of being united, we're also diverse. We're going to talk about we are gifted. And we have gifts and we have things. We're diverse. We're very different. Uh, United doesn't mean, Paul said last week, united doesn't mean absence of conflict. If you look around the room here, and you can look around the room, look at the people around you, there's no one here who's like you. That each one of us has a different background, different personalities, experiences, preferences. And unity then does not mean sameness. It can be a great source of conflict or a great source of joy and beauty. And I think that's part of why they ask Alec and I to, uh, to share together, uh, not because of the beauty, but <laughs> because of the, the differences, and that we're certainly not the same. Uh, we, we have different backgrounds, different personalities, different understandings of the world. And I, I would say this at the same time, apart from our families, we've been best friends for almost 18 years. Yeah since before his son Eli was born. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's been in that that has really enriched my life and enriched our lives together. And, and, and as we expound on that and think about that as the body of Christ, there's something really amazing that I believe God wants to do uh, among us. It's great to have the children with us here uh, this morning, such, such life and, and uh, excitement, and, <laughs> and we should all be that excited uh, when we're dancing and, and singing for the yes. Lord. <laughs> One of my pet peeves is calling the children the church of tomorrow. We are the church today, and they're part of us. We have a special guest then, in light of that, uh, right here, and he's going to be on the video screen. Uh, Mr. Potato Head will be sharing with us uh, a reading of Scripture. So if we have the video, please. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am only an ear, not an eye. Would that make it any less part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eye. Then how would you hear? Or if your whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? What a strange thing a body would be if it had only one part. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't (laughs) say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so all the members can care for each other equally. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Now all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. Okay, I think you'll remember the scripture reading today, right? 
keep that in the back of your mind as we, we talk here this morning, that we are one body. And I want to do a couple things just a little bit differently this morning. Uh, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and that's where that came from, uh, about us being the body of Christ. And I want to just say a word about uh, Bibles. Uh, I encourage you to, if you don't have a Bible, to get one and to take it with you everywhere you go. I think it's one of the most important things as, as a Christian for growing uh, to know God and to know Him more. Always have it with you because you never know when you may need uh, what's in here. And, and God does speak to us through there. The ushers do have Bibles uh, if you need one, but I encourage you to get one and bring it along. We used to get a gold star when I was young for bringing our Bibles to church, and, <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's good to have that with you. And the other thing I want to do a little differently, I want to, uh, we have three passages I want to kind of uh, deal with today, but we're going to really camp on one. But I want you to open to all three of them at once. And if you have uh, a part of your bulletin or a dollar bill or something like that, uh, mark each one of these because uh, we'll be talking about them a little bit more. Uh, the first one is Romans chapter 12. And if you're not real familiar with where things are in Scripture, uh, it's about right here. Okay? <laughs> so turn, turn to Romans chapter 12 and put a mark in there. And the second place is just the next book over, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then the third place is a, a few pages after that. We're going to get into the letter to the Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 4. And put a mark in there. These are three key passages that I want you to just know where they are. It's important, I think, as, as we're learning Scripture and as we're learning about the Word of God, to, to get familiar with it because it's, it's our book. It's how God revealed Himself to us or one of the main ways God revealed Himself to us and we should, we should learn. So these three passages, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote these letters to these different churches talking about us being and, and the churches there being the body of Christ in that area. The other thing I want to do that's a little unusual, we're going to expound on that here this morning. The other thing I want to do that's a little unusual is start with a benediction. Usually we do that at the end. But go back, and if you're at Ephesians still, just go back to chapter 3, the last verse, two verses of chapter 3. Ephesians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I believe that God desires to do much more than we can ask or imagine through the church. Because that's the context here. He goes on right after this to talk about us again being united as the body of Christ. We're a diverse group of people with different gifts, different stories, different hurts different backgrounds, different strengths. And God does something amazing when he calls us together with all of our differences and all our diversity to be his hands and his feet and to be his body in the world. Have you ever stopped to think about how amazing the human body is? Alex is going to share a few thoughts on that. So my profession is a research veterinarian. We deal with pieces and parts an awful lot. And I want to put a couple up here. I want to see if you can tell me what this first body part is. Actually, we're going to skip that. Skip that one. All right, stop right there. Camp right there for a second. We're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to look at what the individual body part does. I'm going to see if you can name it and tell me what it does. I want you to tell me what it does when it groups with other body parts. And then the magical part. Here's the Ephesian. This is kind of the, the Romans 12 part and the Corinthians 12 part. But over here is the more than you can hope or imagine when God comes into it. So what is that 
body part up there? It's in the ear. Do you know, know the name of it? Stirrup, yeah, because it looks like the stirrup on a saddle. And it's the tiniest bone in your body. It's literally less than two millimeters big. It's about that big. And you know what that body does by it, that bone does by itself? All right, watch. Ready? Catch this. That's all it does. This. It just <laughs> wiggles. That's all it does your whole life by itself. That's all it does. It's doing it right now. It's doing it right now as I speak. That stirrup in your both your ears is doing that. <laughs> Go to the next picture. But, when put with other parts, your ear hears the sound waves of my voice. It vibrates that inner ear membrane. It activates the incus and the anvil, vibrate along and pass that vibration on to the stapes. Another name, the Latin name is for it, stapes. And that stapes, that stirrup, sits beside your inner ear. That's that curly thing you see up there. And that's full of fluid. And it sits by another membrane. And it pushes that fluid. And that fluid goes in waves. And inside that fluid are little hair cells that go back and forth. And every time they go back and forth with those waves, they generate a spark of electricity that goes to the brain. Now, in and of itself, stapes plays its part, incus plays its part, da-da-da-da-da. As a body, it still just generates buzzy electricity. But more than you can hope or imagine... When you get the brain and the heart and you're infused by the spirit of a creator, guess what that electricity, that buzziness becomes? I love you, Dad. Or it's the sound of a violin playing. Sometimes when I hear a violin playing, it's like prayer going up. Or it's the wind in the trees. Or it's the sound, you ever walk into your kid's bedroom at night when they're sleeping and you hear, and you just revel in that. Because it takes the individual to the part, but more than just part, parts that are inspired by the purpose and the wonder, more than you can hope or imagine when God feeds into it and uses it as a whole. Let's go to the next slide. One more body part. Actually, I think we made... Yeah, we're exactly where we want to be. What's the name of that muscle right there underneath your skin? I didn't know. I had to look it up myself. It's the adductor pollicis. Now, just having said that, adductor means to add together. And what the adductor, well, what the adductor pollicis does by itself is this. That's all it does. It can't even go the other way without the help of other muscles. But it does this all day. But with the hand, it now can do this. And this is what separates you and I from every other animal on the planet. One of the things. <laughs> Look what I can do. I can... Oppose my thumbs with my fingertips. Now, having said that, that's not all that exciting either. It's not making any noise up here. I'm not doing anything. Of ourselves, individuals and just a group together, but I step over here and I let God inspire me. I let a holy creator of the universe direct the way I use that hand. Now, guess what I can do? I can listen to my heart and my head Dear Felicia, I've only been in Chicago three days and yet it seems flat without you. And I can take a paintbrush and if I'm endued with that, I can see Monet's picture of his wife on the top of the hill with sunlight. You step back and think, how can that be? I can take a carburetor and I can adjust it 
so that it purrs, so that the wind goes through my hair as I move and that power of that engine goes back and forth. That's the beauty that we're called. As a body of Christ, we're individuals together as a group. But what we're called to more is more than you can hope or imagine the inspiration of God calling you to beauty and wonder and blessings where you change this earth into the kingdom of heaven. So back to Romans, taking this idea of the body and the parts of the body that are in 1 Corinthians, and he talks about it in Romans 2. I'm going to read the first two verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You can follow along with me. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to make a few comments about this and think about this before we go on. This is a passage where Paul's introducing again the body of Christ. And he says something very significant here. Uh, in the NIV, I, one of the unusual things about me, I, I like to read Greek. I, I studied it in school and and uh, it's not probably most people's hobby, but I, I enjoy it. The, uh, this verse, it's very clear in that language, whether something's singular or plural. And it says literally in here that we should, in view of God's mercy, offer our bodies, which is plural, more than one, as a living sacrifice. NIV kind of changes it. It makes it plural. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And that makes it very individual. It makes it me. I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to give myself to God. And then I will be a living sacrifice for God. But I think he's saying something much more profound here, something much more meaningful. He's saying that when you and when I, when Alec, when we come together and offer our bodies, plural, we become a singular living sacrifice sacrifice. Now, if you read the Old Testament, they did a lot of sacrifices. And one of the things that was common to sacrifices is that after they sacrificed them, they were dead. So they didn't have living sacrifices. But who is the living sacrifice? Jesus Christ, right? Good answer. Jesus is the living sacrifice because he died, he was sacrificed, but then he rose again. And somehow, Paul's saying, when we come together as people who have received Christ and have accepted him, as we come together and offer ourselves, we somehow become this, the body of Christ, the living sacrifice to go into the world and to, to be his hands and his feet and his body in this world. He goes on in this passage, Paul does, to say, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and Alec and I, were last week, we're talking about the patterns of this world and what's significant about that, because... In this world, we talk a lot about diversity. That's kind of a buzzword that, that's often talked about in the news and, and, and talk shows and things like that. So Paul says, stop thinking like the world does about this. We're all different. We're all unique. We all have very unusual things about us. But I want you to be transformed. I want you to think differently about this. Because the world says, rugged individualism, that's the way it is. I can stand on my own. I'm, I'm a little uh, bone in the ear, but I don't need the rest of the body. I can do it on my own. Rugged individualism is kind of the pattern in this world. And Paul's saying, no, no, that's not what God's getting at here. The other way we deal with diversity is we say, let's just put like things together. Let's segregate. Let's put 
all the ears over here and let's put all the livers over here and, and now we have a box full of livers and it's not particularly useful, but that's kind of the world's view. You kind of stick with people who are like you and in fact, if you stick with people who are like you, you'll have a lot less conflict and, and uh, things will be a lot easier. But Paul's saying, no, that's, that's not it either. God made us very unique. He made us very different. He made us diverse, but he's calling us together. And then there's the, the key word of our society, which is tolerance. And we're called to be tolerant of people who are different than us or coexist with people who are different. But I believe, even though that sounds like a good thing, tolerance does sound like a good thing, doesn't it? But it's a pattern of this world. And Alex is going to talk a little bit about that. When Tim was talking about when we were preparing, and the thing that spoke with me most was a, an idea that he planted in my head. He said, Alec, imagine you're out on a date with Felicia. Well, first of all, Felicia and I are very different. Thank God we're very different. I'm a morning person. She's an evening person. She's full of compassion, and I get things done. Maybe it's a better way to say that instead of I lack compassion, but I have lots of rough edges. <laughs> we, she gets things done with compassion. That's a different story. We're very different. But he said, imagine you and Felicia are out on a date, just the two of you. Romantic lighting. We'll find dinner in front of us, and Felicia reaches out, and she takes your head into her hand, and she looks into your eyes, and she says, Alec, I tolerate you. <laughs> can, can you feel how flat that falls? Now, the, the truth is she does. That's what the world is. She does tolerate me, but she doesn't stop there. She goes beyond it. She doesn't. She deals with my abrasions. She encourages. She lifts. She looks for ways to help. She has my best interest in mind. And to me, the thing that Tim spoke, I think the thing that may be the most lesson is going beyond tolerance, beyond just the rote function of creating electricity, of doing this motion or that motion. It's going beyond tolerance to the work of love, of encouraging and building up. And the thing about tolerance is tolerance is easy. Tolerance just says, you be as weird as you want to be and I'll be as weird as I want to be and the never the two shall meet. And love says, no, we're going to work this out together. Tolerance as a body, it's what we're called to do as husbands and wives, as fathers and children, as members of a small group, as this section and that section and this section, as a body of Christ. What's the need in that person's? How can I build them up? How can I encourage? How can I grow them so that this more than you can hope or imagine becomes reality? Going beyond tolerance to love is what God is calling us to. So you go back to the, the passages where Paul talks about these spiritual gifts and he says we're diverse and we all have different things that God's given us and he's created us uniquely. In each of those passages where Paul talks about spiritual gifts, he also has a major section where he talks about love because the context of all this then is operating in love. For example, and I encourage you to, take, to keep the bookmarks in here and read this this week. In Romans chapter 12, for example, after he talks about us being the body of Christ, he says, love must be sincere. Verse 9, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about us being the body of Christ. And then we know 1 Corinthians 13, very likely you might have heard it at a wedding or someplace where it's called the love chapter. Right after, right in the middle of a whole discussion of who we are as the body of Christ. And he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And then in Ephesians, he, he goes through and he says, we are the body of Christ. We're being built up in love. And he says, 
live the life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He says, in the whole context of that, there's a lot more there in Ephesians. He's saying, this is the whole idea. It's so far beyond tolerance that it's not even in the same ballpark. The Bible says, for God so tolerated the world that he gave his only son. That's, it's so much more than that. Or by this, all men will know that you're my disciples because you tolerate one another. As Alex says, it really falls flat. This is how the world thinks, though. This is the pattern of this world. This is what's built into us. We should just coexist. Can't we all just get along? But God is calling us, I believe, to so much more. Romans 12 again says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Think differently. So what does this mean to be this living sacrifice? I believe it happens when each one of us comes and offers our whole selves for God's purpose in the world. And God's purpose in this congregation. We are a body here, but then we're connected to a bigger body in Frederick, which is connected to a bigger body uh, in the whole, uh, whole country and the whole world. We are the body of Christ. Rick Warren, I, I believe, describes it well. He says that it's this idea, he uses an acronym of SHAPE to kind of describe the whole person and what we bring to God. And SHAPE, he says, is spiritual gifts, heart, our abilities, our personalities, and our experiences. And we bring these to each other and submit to each other with those. God uses it for his purposes. So we'll just briefly go through each of these. Spiritual gifts is the first one. And Paul gives these three passages talking about spiritual gifts. And they're all different. There's a, there's a little overlap, but really they're just different lists. And I don't believe they're meant to be exhaust, exhaustive. God is creative and he has given each one of us different gifts that are spiritually ordained that come from him. And they can't be earned. We don't get to choose them. No one has all of them. And no single gift is given to every, everyone. But most importantly, I believe that God gives us these gifts, whether it's the gift of mercy or the gift of giving or the gift of teaching or the gift of helping or hospitality. He gives it not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the rest of the body. Alec? So spiritual gifts are one of the things Tim just talked about. The next one is heart and ability. I'm going to talk about those. And heart may be the most important thing. And the way you determine what your heart is, is what gets you excited what when you stand before something and talk on that subject, just suddenly your voice is raised and you're animated? For me, it's birds uh, and how odd that is. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, you're going to find things in yourself that you're excited about that are, that are odd. It's, God has a purpose for that. One of our purposes, one of our callings, I'm going to ask you as a body, is don't squelch the heart of someone else. Really, birds? Really, Al? Birds? They're fascinating. You have no idea. You see these little things and they come along and color. And as a scientist, you get to identify and say, is that different than this? And suddenly this color goes by. I can do it anywhere in the world. I can take along and there are birds there, new infinite varieties like I've never seen before. And the beauty is I get to do it not just by myself, but praise God, my two boys love birds. And whenever we're somewhere else, Dad, did you just see this? And do you need to know about this or that? And when you see that, what's the cue that I have? What excites you? What raises your voice? Don't squelch it in your own self. Don't squelch it in others. God's calling you to share that with other people. For me, it was with my boys. I tell you the truth, I'm excited to be around anyone who's excited about something. 
If you're excited, Mark, about guitar, I want to hear about that. I want to know, so where did you learn and what's the story behind that? And then I get to know him and suddenly my links and the body becomes intertwined and we work more in harmony together. Next one is ability. What are your talents? What do you do well? And I'll tell you what, God will always link your abilities with the need in someone else's life. And, and those, uh, those abilities are going to be just as odd as your heart is. I like to trim trees. Kind of a strange thing, but I like to do it. And I have ability to do that fairly well. Mike, um, I've just lost Mike's last name. Dixon. Dixon. Mike Dixon, uh, Mike's a hard man to forget. Uh, Mike Dixon <laughs> lets me trim the trees here at the church. Other than one very difficult one, he lets me do that. And so I take my boys out there and we trim the trees and it changes, it meets the need of a church. What are your abilities? Is it to uh, care for kids? Is it to, uh, Tim was saying, one of his uh, great needs that he hopes is met with an ability is the ability to smoke meat. Who, uh, but Sam Clatterbuck <laughs> smokes meat wonderfully. David O'Hara, an incredible smoker of meat. Simon Reynolds. It's an ability that these guys have that is far beyond anything I have, but the beauty is they share it. What's, what's your ability? What's the thing that jumps out that you love to do? Do it for the good of the body, and God's going to use that to do this, to change things for wonder. So spiritual gifts, heart, ability, and the last two are personalities and experiences. Personalities. Uh, I'll read right from Rick Warren. He says, it's obvious that God loves variety. Just look around. He created each of us with a unique combination of personality traits. God made introverts. How many are introverts? They don't like to raise their hands. So. <laughs> extroverts. He made... <laughs> There's the extroverts. <laughs> he made people who love routine and people who love variety. Thinkers and feelers. Uh, people like individual assignments or teamwork. But he says in the Bible, God says God works through different people in different ways, but it's the same God who achieves his purpose through all of them. You are unique. There's no one else like you, and there's no one else who can be you except for you. And God's intent is to have you as a part of the body of Christ. Not somebody else, but you. And so he, you bring these things and offer them to God and say, here's who I am, and God is the one who can use that and shape that. Finally, experiences. These are experiences like good things, like you put on a resume, I have this experience, I've experienced in this field or this area, and that's all good. But it's also our background, where we came from, maybe where we grew up, uh, or people we know, common experiences that we have. Uh, about 10 years ago, this one really spoke to me. Uh, I was at Creation Festival, and Josh McDowell was one of the speakers there. And he was, said something that really changed me. He said, you often hear preachers saying, bring your gifts to Jesus. Or bring your uh, strengths to God and see what he does with them. Offer your gifts, your best things to God and see what he does. He said, God really doesn't need your gifts. He doesn't need your strengths. He doesn't need our help. But he does desire to redeem our lives and make something beautiful out of the ruin. And his message, Josh's message was that God is calling us to bring our greatest failures, our weaknesses, our brokenness our sin, the things that we've really screwed up and offer them to God because it's then that we can really see the power of God at work. And it spoke to me because I struggled with feeling inadequate. 
and feeling like I had regrets and things that I screwed up and anger about my earlier life. And I believe it's a tool of the enemy that says, hide your strength, hide your weaknesses. Don't let anybody know. And you know, we come together for an hour on Sunday. It's easy to hide those things. But when we become the body and we become connected, those things do come out. And, and I believe God's intent is to say, a broken thing, you're, I'll come live in you. My light will be in you. And through your brokenness, that light will shine out. If I keep it all together, that light stays inside. Beauty out of ashes. Romans 12, then finally coming back to that. So you got the shape and you got this idea of starting to think differently. Bring all of this. Romans 12 says when we bring all of these things, something happens beyond what we can ask or imagine with Ephesians. We become his body in this world. It's not a duty. He says right there, it's in view of God's mercy because God has been so good to us. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of duty. It's not out of fear. It's not because a job needs to be done, but it's because it's here and only here that we find our purpose in life. Because he goes on to say, he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. It's in this that you will be able to test and approve and know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is how we know that we are walking in God's will when we submit to the body of Christ. I like a, a blessing that the Chinese church uh, in, or in China that they would use when new believers would come in. They said, Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love with. Now, Alex is going to pray, and immediately after that, we'll have an opportunity to be his hands and his feet. And uh, uh, Aaron talked about the opportunity to pack bags. We encourage you, as a, as a family unit or a small group, to go and fill up the bags that are going to be given to people who are in need. Uh, it's one opportunity just to be the body together and to, to reach out. And, and as you do, pray for those people. Pray for the people who will be receiving it. And uh, we'll have a, a song after Alex's done, and then we'll go and do that uh, while the song's playing. Alex? So here's the take home. What do you do as an individual? How does that fit into the body? How is God going to transform it into wonder? It's Romans 12 and Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 3. Remember how odd the stapes was as an individual. It's wonderful to be on them. Praise God that Stapes does what it does, that this muscle does what it does. Praise God that you have your ability, your shape, your personality. The way you get it into the body here is through small groups, through your family, through... Um, we have Launch Sunday coming up on August 4th, where against all that back wall will be all the ministries that we do. Have you plugged yourself into the body? That's one way you can do it. I missed something there, Tim. Experiment. Try experiment. Oh, experiment is try. We're so thinking. Oh, I don't have anything to give. Try anything. If you're doing nothing, do it for a short time. Invite God into it. Find what excites your heart, and then launch off into that way. Just give it a go. Let's pray that. My God, what a blessing that you have more than we can hope or imagine. We started with that as the intro, and it is the benediction, Father God. May. You have your way, not in tolerant ways, but in abundant, life-giving, adventurous, wonderful, messy and smelly and beautiful ways in our lives. Help us to move from individual thinking to body thinking to thinking where you incorporate and instill and diffuse and beautify our lives. You bring it ashes into beauty. May it be so in our lives today and this week, Lord, for your glory.